Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now, the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Joseph awoke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but he had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son and named him Jesus. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Sometimes we can forget all the little details of the Jesus story of his birth. We can forget just the amount that Joseph went through or Mary went through. Maybe the amount of names or gossip behind their back because Mary was at that point just an engaged woman who was with child. We could think about it in our own communities. And we can only forget we can only imagine the weight on Joseph's soul. In the beginning, he didn't have a visitation from an angel like Mary did. He was to trust her word and her word alone. And it says that he was a good, a righteous man, a Torah-abiding Jew. And so in the Torah, actually what it says is that uh, in this particular situation, Mary could have been stoned. But it says that Joseph was going to dismiss her quietly, that he wasn't going to make a big old fuss about it. And then we know what happens. He gets the dream. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but I know if I was in Joseph's shoes, waking up, my first thought would be, was, was that me? <laughs> or was that something, or was that the Holy Spirit? Was that something outside of me? You can only imagine the, the feelings and the thoughts and everything that was going through Joseph's uh, mind. But one of the things it says immediately after this is that Joseph uh, followed through and he resolved to marry uh, Mary Mary. <laughs> and we know the rest of the story. But here's the thing, is that trust is never really easy at first. 
It's never really easy to just jump out on a limb, especially when it seems like all the evidence is pointing towards it being foolish, especially when the odds are high. Joseph's thinking about the rest of his life. He's thinking about his legacy. He's thinking about his business as a carpenter. He's thinking about all of the things that are connected to that. I know I would. But sometimes when we're presented with difficult, life-changing circumstances, as much as I wish I could, I wish I could be like Joseph in that situation, I don't know if I'd have that amount of trust right off the bat. But here's the thing about Joseph, is that he had other grounds to trust God that he just wasn't crazy. And we're talking about the Scripture. Because here's the thing about God and His trust with us is He had already developed this long history of faithfulness with His people. This long history of coming through for His people when they needed Him. We see it in Genesis. We see it in Exodus. We see it with Judah, and we see it with Israel. We see it time and time and time again. And I'm certain that even you can probably recall the times where God has been faithful in your life. Where, we, where it has been easier to trust Him as life has gone on. For those of us, it might be difficult uh, it might be hard for us to picture this with difficult parenting situations. I don't know what everybody's family of origin is. But if you're able, imagine as a child yourself, how did you trust your parents? Or how were you able to trust in someone like a parent for the very first time? I remember when I was a kid, my dad took us to Santa's village which is, uh, it's not like a, it sounds like it's a Christmas thing, but it's actually just a year-round, uh, like, uh, park or something in the Chicagoland area. Um, think like Six Flags, but much smaller. And I remember my parents took me to that, and that's where I saw my very first roller coaster. And I remember looking at that and thinking, no way. <laughs> that looks cool, but no way. <laughs> and I remember my dad pushing me. Chris, doesn't that look fun? Well, yeah, but I, I don't want to die, you know? And he keeps prodding me. He keeps prodding me. Son, son, we'll, we'll go together. And I remember just staring at it and breathing heavy. Okay, well, only, only if you go with me, Dad. Only if you go with me. That's the only, okay, I'll go with you. Oh, I didn't expect that. <laughs> right? And so I remember getting on the roller coaster with my dad. This, and it's, it, you know, it wasn't like a, like a crazy roller coaster that you see at Six Flags, but it also wasn't one of those little things you see at carnivals. It's like the little dragon thing, you know? Something in between. It was a real roller coaster, but it wasn't terribly uh, 
crazy. But I remember I got in that, and I was sweating profusely, and I thought I was going to die, and I was putting all of my trust in my dad's words, putting all of my trust in my dad's history of him keeping me alive. <laughs> right? And I remember it started to go, and I remember we got to the top of that first crest, and I was just ready to faint, and then we went down, and that fear and that joy hit. That dopamine, boom! <laughs> I don't remember if any of you remember your first roller coaster or your first ride, but holy cow, we run around the corner. I remember like being up next to my dad and holding him for dear life and freaking out at the same time and being excited and having this big smile that I couldn't stop. And I remember it came to an end and I was frozen for like a good beat, a good two seconds. And I remember looking at him and going, oh, can we go again? <laughs> I remember it was epic and it was amazing. And I remember how I was so glad to have put my trust in my dad's words on that day, my faith in my dad. When we used to, uh, when I used to work at camp, we used to do these things called the courage pull. And the idea behind the courage pull is you would literally climb a telephone pole that's, I don't know, 20, 25 feet high and you would stand at the very top of it. I should mention, by the way, that you are all roped up in a harness. That probably is relevant to the story. <laughs> Leap of faith. And um, so anyway, all of the camp counselors, as well as all of the campers, are on this long rope, and there's like, I don't know, 10 or 15 of them. We got you, we got you, all right? And no matter how much they say, we got you, you're standing up at this thing, and they're like, jump, no, jump, you know, and you're, you're second guessing all of these different things. But I knew the ropes had been tested. I knew the harness had been tested. I knew all of the equipment was good. But still, staring out over the abyss is frightening. Staring out over the potential futures that can possibly happen is scary. Taking a step out in trust and faith in people and our God at times can be difficult. It can be scary. But I knew those counselors. I knew the training that we'd gone through. I knew some of them already, and so I took the faith, and one, or I took the leap. And one of the things they tell you to do is, is there's like a big old trapeze right here. So it's to jump for that and hang on. Gives you something to focus on as opposed to just the ground and pretending you'll end up like a pancake. And so that's what I did, is I jumped out for it, I hung on, yay, ah. And then I slipped off, and I was like, ah! But I came down. And my trust and my faith was, uh, again, fulfilled. I had these, these, these people that I had grown to trust. I had this relationship that was starting to develop. And here's the thing with our relationship with God, that has developed as well. And in the story, in the Christmas story, this trust and this relationship with his people has been developing and been growing for years. Since Adam and Eve in the garden, since even in their sin, 
God created for them garments of clothes so that they could be warm out in the world. In the midst of their slavery in Egypt, he rescues them. In the midst of small fiefdom and kingdoms and the land of Canaan threatening to conquer the Israelite people, God comes through again, sending judge after judge to save his people, sends good kings, and finally promises to send a Messiah to finally set it right. You see, this trust that Joseph had wasn't just in one dream, it wasn't just in one moment, but it was in the relationship that God had been establishing with his people for years. Because while the people might have been faithless at times, while they might have been not as trustworthy, God had continually shown over and over and over again how we could trust him. And we finally see that in the culmination of Christ when he comes to save his people. When he comes, when God makes good on his word and sends a true Messiah, of which all the good kings were just a shadow of, to save his people. And not just in some temporary political kingdom, but in an eternal reality free from their sin, the sin that has entrapped every single heart from Adam and Eve's choice. So this trust that's built is something that is big. When Joseph is at this difficult crossroads where he was most definitely challenged, he was a righteous man who knew the law of the Lord and trusted in God. And he takes a step. And so here's the other thing about this story as well, is that Joseph is trusted by God. If God didn't trust Joseph, he wouldn't have given him the Son of God. And so while we are talking about trusting in God, it's also important for us to realize that God also puts his trust in us. His trust in us to deliver his word. His trust in us to be kind. His trust to, to be as much like him as we can in this world. As faithfully as we can represent the Christ. So when, I, uh, when my kids were born, my wife and I had very different styles of parenting. She grew up with a family that liked to play cards, that were more methodical, that uh, built their house, right? That owned a business. I grew up with a dad who liked to dirt bike and who wanted his son to dirt bike alongside of him. We'll talk about it. And so, there was kind of a clash of worlds, so to speak. So I remember when uh, Josiah and even the other kids were, were pretty young, I did not mind like, woo, tossing them up in the air and a little bit higher each time. And I remember how uh, 
at one point uh, when we had lived in Fredericksburg, I remember how that had kind of paid off because I remember I was walking along towards the door and here comes Noah running down the stairs and he goes, Dad! And I look towards him and he's already jumping towards me. <laughs> ah, poof, caught him as fast as I possibly could. But that tells you something about the trust that Noah has began to envelop in me. See, as, as time goes on and the more we trust God, the more we're willing to take bigger risks, like jumping off the stairs when our dad is not looking, when it's very dangerous. And trust is something we learn to do with God, but that he also does of us. Like I said, God entrusts people in his kingdom to do all kinds of things, to name his animals, to honor his name, to love his people. Like Joseph was tasked with being the father of Jesus, we too are tasked and trusted to perform our parts in the kingdom. So this holiday season, let's not just think of this as a one-off we're celebrating Jesus being born again. And then we kind of forget about it and we get ready to go back into our normal holiday schedules. But let this remind us of the trust that God has been um, building with us. That with every passing year, we're able to trust him a little bit more. And let us remember that the birth of his son, his death on the cross, his life of compassion, of mercy, of grace, is the culmination of all of it. And that when we think to ourselves, and whether it be in a moment of darkness or despair or depression or hurt or pain or suffering, can I trust him? Let us remember that we have a God who sent his only son, his only son, to the world and acted it out. Help us to remember that this season is just a taste of what is to come. We can trust our God. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you and we thank you. We love you. Help us, Father God, this holiday season to just remind us in our hearts, to remind us in our souls, to remind us in our spirit that we can put our hope and our faith and our trust in you. That you have delivered us. That God, when things seem dark, that you too know that darkness and you too know that pain. And we can trust that you know our pain. We can trust in your deliverance from that suffering, that pain, that hurt, 
We can trust in your plan to bring about not just a restoration for us, but for this whole world. Help us, Father God, to put our trust in you. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.